This is Marriage to the Max, episode number 66. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Marriage to the Max. I'm your host, Brett Hurst. And I'm your co-host today, Kelly Hurst. Hi, Kelly. And your wife. Hi, Kelly. (laughs) We're both marriage educators and co-founders of Home Encouragement, and this podcast is designed to help you take your marriage to the next level. Well, today we have a light, uh, hopefully fun episode for you called Odd Socks. Odd socks, not not sex. Odd sex. That's a different episode. No, we call it odd socks because that's a, that's a particular tribute to Paul McCartney. I actually had this vinyl record that I got probably around 1980. That was all these B sides that Paul had done, had released, but he didn't. They never made it to an album, so he just put it on an album with all these B sides, and it was mm-hmm. called Odd Socks. It was kind of a Almost like a bootleg album. (laughs) Anyway, that's what this is. This is kind of a loose ends um, podcast episode. Sometimes we have an idea for a podcast episode. It's not comprehensive enough to fill out an entire episode, so we just kind of file it away and it never gets discussed. Well, not today. Not today. All of our little tidbits are coming home to roost. (laughs) So today we will take a few of those uh, topics and... Kind of let them have their day. (laughs) So moving right into it. Number one, this story that we have about eating at a taco place in Houston. It's also in Austin and other cities called Torchies. Mm -hmm. There's one close to our house. It's the best. It is the best. You got to get the trailer park, trashy trailer park. Mm. Uh, those Those are the best ones going. That is good stuff. Okay, so we were at Torchies the other day. And you noticed something. So Yeah, this is actually a while back. And I was standing in line, and there was this cute little married couple standing in front of me. And it was pretty busy, so we had to wait in line for a while. So like, they were 20-something? They or? were like late 20s, if I had to guess. And they, they had wedding rings on. They were clearly married, clearly happy, holding hands, you know, talking and laughing. And, you know, we were probably in line for almost 10 minutes. So I wasn't eavesdropping, but they were standing right in front of me. A likely story. Yeah, so I'm like kind of observing them as, you know, marriage education. I like to watch people in relationship and see what's going on. And so as it came their turn to go and place their order, they just naturally separated and walked to different cashiers to place their orders and pay. Okay. And I was kind of struck by that because I was like, it was clear that that's just how they did things. Like it wasn't... He like pays, she pays. Yeah, he paid for his, she paid for hers. And we're absolutely certain they were married to each other. Well, I mean, they had wedding rings on and they were very... You know, affectionate, publicly publicly affectionate. (laughs) So I'll ask the question again. Are you sure they were married to each other? I'm pretty sure they were married to each other. My point is this. Let's assume they were. Yeah. And I started to kind of wonder, is this younger generation, is that how they do their finances when they're married? Do they keep everything separate? Because you and I, when we first got married 27 years ago, um, from day one, we combined our finances. There has never, ever been anything 
that we have not shared or thought of financially as ours. That's right. So even back in the day when I was a stay-at-home mom and not contributing financially to the family, mm-hmm. and you were the only breadwinner at the time, right. we we never thought of that as your money or, you know, I had money for bills, but you had money for this. And right. we well, never for had one thing, separate... I wasn't winning much bread in those days. So. Well, I'm just saying from the very beginning, that was never the mindset. And for me, I just kind of wonder what it must be like to share your life with someone, share your bed, share your body, share children, mm-hmm. you know, share everything, but you don't share money. Yeah. No, and I so you. I may be like, painting too broad a brush here because of this one moment. But I did also kind of wonder, you know, is that an extension of couples who live together? Mm -hmm. Because I think when couples who move in together, I don't think they share their finances. If they're they're not married, I think they pretty much keep everything separate. More times than not. They might split the bills and split the rent, but I don't think they combine there. And I think what, you know, if you live with someone for a year or two and then you get married, Mm -hmm. does that mindset just kind of extend into marriage? Could be, yeah. And I just kind of wondered, is that good? Is it necessarily bad? Right. Yeah, I mean, people have all kinds of reasons for having separate checking accounts or whatever. Mm-hmm. We're not necessarily weighing in. You definitely should do this. You definitely shouldn't do that. But to your point, at what you were saying at the top, you share a bed, you share a body, you share, you know. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you toilet, share your every, money? You know, all the everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's just one other additional expression of intimacy and, and trust, really, and commitment. Yeah. You know, you're saying, hey, this is this is ours, yeah. that, not my stash and your stash and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So Yeah. I mean I would I think I would be offended if you and I were standing at Torchies and then you said, Hey, go pay for your own. Uh-huh. Because I think that would just make me I don't know. It would make me feel weird. Right. You know, we just everything's together. But so. what if we were standing at Popeyes and I said go pay for your own? Uh, you will not say that no matter where we're standing. <laughs> Let's just establish that right now. All right. Okay. So that was one little tidbit. I'm I just kind of wanted to, be to. Difficult. I wanted to throw that out there, and uh, you know, if we get mean emails, you know, then so be it. But it was just something that has been stuck in my craw. I can't imagine somebody being mean to us over that. Well, you never know. Okay. So another thing, kind of another odd socks. Odd socks. Odd sock. Uh, television. So hmm. there was an article by. Lindsay Hall recently called Breaking Up with Our TV, okay? And in that article, she asked the question, is TV getting in the way of our lives? Mm -hmm. Uh, So this is straight from her uh, little blurb. She says, when my husband and I were tired, we'd collapse on the couch and look for something, even if it wasn't great, to watch Mm -hmm. together. Even on a beautiful day outside, we'd just go flip on the tube. While we enjoyed watching TV at the time... By the end of the day, we felt gross about our (laughs) habit, and we took it out on each other. Uh, But as much as we fought over it, we loved our TV. Mm -hmm. As we daily defaulted to TV, she continues, we noticed that our sex life had become sluggish, our relationships with others stagnated, our friendship with each other flattened into kind of a conversationless, adventureless dynamic Our spiritual life seemed like work because it required discipline. All our conversations seemed to center around the shows that we watched. We finally had to consider the question, are we pleasing God when we watch TV too often or too indiscriminately? Hmm. And she says, we were ready to break it off with TV. To break up. To break up with TV. (laughs) 
So what about the, the question is, you know, what about you? Does television watching keep you living in a kind of mode that may not be the best for you? You know, reluctant to exit your comfort zone. Has it become an idol that sets standards for you? Is it an addiction that promises the next show will make you feel better? Hmm. Um, has it become a doorway for subtle sins such as greed, sloth, gluttony, lust? You know, I have to ask this question of myself all the time because I love TV. Yeah. You know, I've grown up watching TV and yeah. I love to have my favorite shows and the whole thing. And for us, a lot of times in the evening, typically on a work day, um, we look forward to that, just kind of mm -hmm. falling on the couch and watching a favorite show or a movie. Or the news or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And so what I've, what I've learned to discover in my own life is to ask the question, am I watching TV mindfully mm -hmm. or am I just escaping? Mm -hmm. And for me, that's a big deterrent, a uh, determining factor. I mean, I have spent weekends before where I've had just a crazy work week and I'm just exhausted. Right. And I'll just watch TV all weekend. Right. And by the end of that weekend, I don't feel restored. Right. I just feel like I've wasted a weekend. Well, if you're toast and you need to unplug, maybe one of the things you might need to do is sleep. Right. Or go for a walk or right. do something that kind of feeds your soul or something. And I'm not saying television can't feed your soul because sure. I, I love certain shows and there are movies that are inspiring. And, you know, I don't, ha I'm not, I don't have a beef with TV. We're not anti-TV. Yeah, but I do have I, – I heard someone say not too long ago that we Americans, we've, we think of ourselves in terms of working all the time, working so hard, 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 hard. Mm -hmm. He said – but I think what our problem is, is that we don't recover very well. Hmm. We do work hard, and a lot of us have busy lives, maybe even a little too busy. But we don't put things in place that help us recover well. So we just fall on the couch and just watch hours of mindless TV. Right. And that's where I'll catch myself as I'll go, okay, am I being mindful here? Is this kind of restorative to me? Or am I just wanting to, you know, unplug completely? Well, now we have the whole binge-watching thing where yeah. – network releases a whole season and people watch 13 episodes in a mm, row, I know. you know, in one sitting. Or a or whole work. weekend of a certain series or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if you aren't sure if TV is a problem for your relationship, then I wanted to say fast from TV for a given amount of time. Make it short enough that you don't go crazy, but long enough that you'll have to, to fill the need somewhere else. You mean shut the thing off? Yeah, shut the thing off and read a book. That is too radical. Or listen Kel. to music or do That's some just writing. Way too or, radical. Yeah, go for a walk or something. So hmm. that was a little tidbit that I just wanted to flesh out a little bit. It's definitely interesting fodder for more conversation. Yes, it is. And the third thing I wanted to, a little tidbit I wanted to throw out before we go to the break is what do you think about the term work wife or work husband? What do I think about it? Mm -hmm. uh, I know what you're saying. Uh, you're saying that uh, where people work together, the opposite sex, mm -hmm. and they know each other so well, mainly from their work schedule, mm -hmm. that they can kind of mimic some of the behavior of a husband and wife, mm -hmm. completing each other's sentences and that kind of stuff. They know what each other likes. They know their work style, mm -hmm. personality, all of that. Do you think it's necessarily wrong or right or neutral? Uh, I don't think it's necessarily wrong. I do think it is something to always be aware of. Mm -hmm. Make sure that uh, there's always a priority of conversation about your spouse. I don't know. What else? Yeah. I, I'm kind of like you. Like it, it's not like a huge red flag, but there's a part of me that says I don't really want my role 
as wife, as your wife, mm-hmm. to be shared with anybody else, even if it's just a name only. Right. Um, you have a, a, a someone that works on your staff who's just remarkable. I mean, she just does everything that is asked of her and, and goes beyond. I mean, she's just fantastic. Right. Um, no but doubt. I don't want to hear you call her your work wife because... Nor will you ever. Yeah, because that's a, that's a name and a role that only I have. Right. And I know putting the word work in front of it kind of makes it kind of funny and cute. But I just think there's there's... There's power to words. Yeah, I agree. That That's the point I was going to make, because since this phrase has become kind of in vogue or, mm-hmm. you know, you see it on blogs and that kind of thing, yeah. I worry about that. I worry yeah. about people joking about that. You joke about it, you joke about it, and then sooner or later you're kind of enjoying the joke. Yeah, and I kind of wonder, too, if like, you know, as long as things are going well at home, maybe it's just a completely benign term, but then things start getting rocky at home, Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden, my work husband knows exactly what I need. My work husband can read my mind. Mm -hmm. My work husband, where my my real husband doesn't care what's going on in my life, you know? And all of a sudden, I think you can make that slippery connection to comparing. Yeah. One to another. I just don't even want to be having those comparisons at all. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that was another tidbit. Yeah. All right. Well, you are listening to Marriage to the Max. Welcome back to Marriage to the Max. If you're in the greater Houston area, we always want to let you know that we have this great event called Dinner and a Marriage, and we'd love to have you join us. It's a fun date night for couples, and you can visit dinnerandamarriage.org to find out more details. We are continuing our episode called Odd Socks. (laughs) Odd Socks. Anyway, these are just loose ends that we have pulled together to talk about uh, so that we could kind of do a compilation type episode. So another kind of random point of conversation uh, is this question. How far are you willing to go to protect your marriage from scandal? Mm -hmm. Uh, There was a recent article by Dana Gresh uh, where she writes about Billy Graham years ago. Uh, In fact, one afternoon in 1948, her article says, a young Billy Graham invited a few friends, uh, George Beverly Shea, Cliff Barrows, and Grady Wilson, to his hotel room in the city of Modesto in California. There in that room, those four men decided, among other things, that to protect their marriages, they would never be alone in a room or travel alone in a vehicle with any woman other than their own individual wives. So the commitments they made to each other became known as the Modesto Manifesto. 
that's probably why they waited to have that conversation until they were in a town called Modesto. <laughs> so they could have the alliteration. So it would just roll off your tongue. Oh, yeah. yes. So anyway, from that day on, Graham said, he stated, he said, quote, I did not travel, meet, or eat alone with a woman other than my wife. One of the great hallmarks of his long uh, of his lifelong ministry is that it was scandal free, basically, you know, and that that's a great gift of mm-hmm. faithfulness that he gave to Ruth, who you know was his precious wife. Mm-hmm. So anyway, the author goes on to spell out the ground rules that she and her husband have, and here are her three bullet points. She says, "We don't go out to eat alone with someone of the opposite sex. Mm-hmm. We don't get in a car or room alone." with someone of the opposite sex. Mm -hmm. We copy one another when emailing someone of the opposite sex with personal information. Yeah. Those are pretty good rules of thumb. And I just, I wanted to put this out there because to me, this seems logical, you know, but I'm 47 and I'm from a, you know, certain generation. I'm wondering if to a 27 year old, this makes sense. Like, does this sound too restrictive, you know, especially if you work in an industry where you've got lots of co-ed colleagues, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe you have to travel together and, you know. And do, that's most industries now. I, so. I would think that would be really challenging, but I wonder if there's some way, even if you can't be literal about those, you know, ground rules, is there some way you can put some things in place that are like this? Yeah. Because the truth of the matter is, if you're never alone with someone you're not going to have an affair with that person. I mean, I know that sounds ridiculously simple. You're not going to have a physical affair with them. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, you're, you're just not putting yourself into a scenario where that could happen. Right. And, you know, when we deal with couples who are recovering from infidelity, you know, uh, especially around the time of the discovery, you mm-hmm. know, when the person either confesses or gets found out, right? you know, so often uh, their response is, I didn't plan it, it just happened. Mm-hmm. Well... No. <laughs> I mean, you might not have planned it, but it didn't just happen. Right. You know, because you allowed yourself on some level to be put in a situation where you were tempted, mm-hmm. you know, and so uh, that's that's kind of a cop out. And so I just love kind of this idea. And you and I have done this. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, you, you've had women who work in your department who, if y'all have to go to meetings right. off campus, y'all don't drive together. Right. Unless you've got like more than one person in your car or exactly. something like that. Right. Um, and you don't meet women for lunch, you know, and I don't meet men for lunch, you know, one-on-one. It's just, I just think in the end, it's better for me to be a smart spouse Mm -hmm. and protect what we have um, and not put those things in place. You just minimize regrets, frankly, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. I remember even even too when back when you were doing youth ministry uh, at our church and the uh, we were building a new building and um, the designer was the architect was designing the new offices for our space. Mm -hmm. And we were going through and kind of looking at the designs. And I remember saying, you know, we've got to put some kind of accountability, a window in a door or something, because especially with, you know, youth, I mean, you've, you can get, have a young teenage girl in your office and she's crying and you've got a counselor. Even now you've got to counsel women from time to time in your office. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we had them put window panels next to the office doors that are, they're kind of frosted on the bottom, but clear on the top. So if someone did want to peek in. Anybody can look in there and see what's happening. So you still have your privacy, but there's that accountability. And I just love that. I think people are, are 
do better if they're kind of intentional that way. Yeah, exactly. I, th- I think the bottom line is you can't do too much to be protective. And I've actually heard some pushback from this from you know non-Christians or or somebody with a different point of view saying, "Well, that's just too you're too fearful." Mm-hmm. You know, like that's that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't know. We've just dealt with far too many sad stories to to not yeah. think this is a good idea. Yeah, and I don't look at it as fearful because I'm not fearful that you're going to stray or that I'm going to stray. I look at it as being protective of something that I want to protect. Absolutely. So, okay, so that's another tidbit. Another tidbit is the idea of busyness. And I am working on myself on this. I am trying to train myself not to answer the question, how are you doing with the word busy? Mm. I've grown so weary of using the word busy as my go-to answer whether I'm busy or not, and I... You mean like, how's life? Oh, busy. Oh, just so busy. We're busy, busy, busy. Yeah. Les and Leslie Parrott wrote an article recently about being too busy, and this is what they said. So what can couples do to wrestle busyness to the ground? Here's what we're doing. We're no longer using busy as a boast disguised as a complaint. Hmm. Have you ever done that? Here, here's how it works. Someone says, how have you been? You go, gosh, so busy. And they say, that's a good problem to have. You know, <laughs> boom, yeah. we get we get complimented for having a life that's so jam-packed because of a to-do list that's off the rails. But being busy is not a good problem to have. Sure not. I mean, it's not. Yeah, we're, great. Hope it kills you. Yeah. So we're, they say, so we're no longer seeking this kind of congratulations. Instead, we're shoring up obligations that keep us in a in a frenetic hustle. Um, and so I remember this, this came very clear to me a few years ago. I had, um, my sister-in-law called me and she needed some help. Her car had broken down and we live kind of close to each other and she needed me to come pick her up from somewhere. And, And the first thing she said when I answered the phone was she said, Kelly, I am so sorry I had to call you. I know how busy you and Brett are. Oh my gosh, if I had anyone else to call, I would. And I was like, what, you know, tell me what it is. I can come help. Mm -hmm. And I remember she must've said that two or three times before she even got her request out. Right. And I remember thinking, if that's the impression I'm giving people, right. that I am so busy, they cannot call me when they need me. Then something needs to change. Something is off, yeah. way off. And mm-hmm. I realized I was saying busy all the time. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we are busy. You and I are busy. So is everybody else. But I'm through wearing that as a badge of mm-hmm. honor. I'm just yeah. done. And I'm with you on this. This is something I've had struggle with, too, because yeah. we... We have been busy. Yeah. But we've been trying to take measures to set some boundaries so that we're not always hustling and running to the next meeting and we've got a little more margin. So we're working on that on our on our interior lives. Getting healthier rather than more busy. Yeah, but I just wanna I'm just I just don't want to answer that way anymore because right. I realize that really can – that can kind of give us a little bit of a good feeling. Oh, I'm just so busy. Mm-hmm. You know, well, I don't want to put that out there anymore. Right. And how this relates to marriage, I think, is when you're using that type of vocabulary all the time, even internally in your marriage, then you start wearing it. Yeah. You kind of become what you talk about. That's right. So I, it's just a good thing to move away from. It's a good thing to have discussion about how do we – shift things in our family to where we have a more balanced um, lifestyle and schedule. Yeah, I like that. Very good. What's our last tidbit? Well, you came up with the idea (laughs) of talking about the question, should men help with housework? 
I know. I don't even know why this is on here. This is on here because I found a study that was done at Georgia State University, I believe in 2006. And they were trying to figure out, they were trying to find out if the division of routine housework correlated to sexual happiness and frequency in marriage. Okay. Put that <laughs> well, why in they wanted to do this, I have no idea, but I just thought it was intriguing. So put that in layman's terms. <laughs> so basically what they they looked at, couples where the wife does the majority of the housework, uh-huh. they compared that to couples where there was a shared equal number, it, both people were doing equal number of housework, and then the couples where he was doing the majority of housework. Okay, so three different scenarios. Yes. Who and the wins? Couples, who gets the most sex the in those three? The couples who had the highest sexual frequency and the highest satisfaction was the shared equally couples. Well, that's what I would have guessed. Where both partners do the equal amount of housework. And I just thought, that's kind of interesting. Well, that's why I do so much housework. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I'm not stupid. So I just want to say, men, you know, now there's a whole nother reason why you should be helping do the housework. I don't know why this is, but the that was the the highest, and then the next highest was where she does the most, and then the bottom amount was where he does the most of the housework. Interesting. They had the least amount of sex and lowest satisfaction. Well, I really don't know what conclusions to draw there, but. Uh, <laughs> I will you know, keep doing the dishes. It was and something keep that I wanted bed. to share, but it wasn't a whole episode, so it came into the old socks. To the old socks. <laughs> so well, good. Well, I think we have uh, displaced all the odd socks. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing. There's no tidbits swimming in my head now. Or not displaced them. They have found a home now. <laughs> Anyway, excellent episode. Yay. Great idea, Kel. Well, if you'd like to contact us, you can find us at marriagetothemax.org. You can also check out our website at homeencouragement.org. And please follow us on Facebook, Twitter. Like us. Please like please us. Please like us. Uh, if you have a topic or question, also, if you'd like us to uh, bring that to the podcast, you can send us an email to the Hursts, H-U-R-S-T-S, at homeencouragement.org, and we'll do our best to fit it in on the air, maybe put it in an Odd Sulks episode. (laughs) Uh, And we hope you'll share the love by rating this podcast on iTunes. That always helps us to gain more traction and visibility out there in the Internet world. Thanks for listening today, and until next time, remember, healthy marriage, healthy world. God bless you all.